Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. We've got a huge day to recap after the Olympic skate sprint with Jesse Diggins winning a bronze medal and Rosie Brennan nearly getting her own hardware about two ski lengths away. We break down that race, the men's race, everything else going on. We'll be back in a minute. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport the industry-leading resource for cross-country skiing equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-selected skis. If you're looking to tour at a local park, finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sports' passionate staff can help you get the perfect gear for your cross-country skiing experience. Visit boldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country and download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine. Check out the Boulder Nordic YouTube channel for extensive waxing how-tos. Ski inventory is challenging this season, but Boulder Nordic Sport is receiving new gear every week, including the new floor-free race waxes from Holman Cole and Rody. Check out your options at boldernordic.com. Now, yeah, how are you doing? There? You're alive. Two things. Yeah. You're, you're alive, so the Russians didn't get you. And dude, you're still awake and you're, you're still awake and you're living like the true journalist life now. Now you're living the true journalist life. I hope you're eating like cheese doodles or something and drinking like diet Coke. I got to take, um, I got to take a picture of this, um, because it's disturbing how on, on target you are. I'm going to, I'm going to send you right now. It's not like terrible. Like, I mean, I don't have the, like. I don't have the cup with the dip in it, you know, um, where I'm like Not spitting the, the tobacco juice, but uh, I'm close. Yeah, um, not yet, but you but will. Because yeah. we're only two, we're only two individual, this, we're only three individual races into this bad dog. So like, there's still room to be smoking darts and like the whole, the whole thing. Yep, no doubt. I'm, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Um, what yeah. a, what a day, huh? Oh, my god you know what people are for sure sick of me doing a bunch of things people are sick of me repeating myself people are sick of me um with my shitty audio i get it but i think we're allowed to celebrate today like what the american women did today was (laughs) it was phenomenal what can you say you had two american women having their best days of the year in the olympics both in the olympic final both contending, coming away with the U.S.'s first ever individual Olympic medal in the women's field, in the women's side, with Jesse Diggins securing bronze, and Rosie Brennan like skiing like a woman possessed after the worst start to a quarterfinal you can possibly have, and that's falling out of the start at a championship at high altitude. And yet, so can we? Yeah, go for, keep going, keep going. No, so I'm just like, for me, like I'm over the moon and that's why I'm bringing this stoke. I think what the American women did today is just such a great culmination of the success that they've built over the last decade. And I know we've won gold, well, not we, I'm not American. I know the Americans have won <laughs> a gold medal at the Olympics and that was huge. And I know Jesse Diggins has individual medals at at championships i know that keegan has individual medals at championships sadie bjornson has a team sprint medal from a championship i know the women have been great for a long time but there's something pretty darn special when you're north american and you climb up on the podium 
for the first time in a country's history. And let me remind everyone that's listening. I know everyone knows this and they're sick hearing it. The first Winter Olympics were 1924. Cross-country skiing is an original sport. So that means we are 98 years of cross-country skiing at the Olympics and no American woman has ever won a medal. So you're damn right. I'm pumped. That, that was a crazy performance. And if it wasn't going to be Jesse, if Jesse was going to stick a pole between her legs or, or make a bad tax player or stumble in the finishing stretch, Rosie was right there to take it in fourth. And it broke my heart to see Rosie uh, get a, a wooden medal there with the performance that she did, but there's plenty of racing left and I'm just, I'm over the moon. I think, it, I think it was just the ultimate sprint. And I have to say, I've been trashing JFA's um, uh, course design. Sorry, John Alberg's course design, because I think the distance course is boring as hell and like not exciting uh, course wise. But the sprint course, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to the course designers. I loved it, Matt. I did. I thought it was awesome. It was like, it, there was something about it. So I will say, um, you know, hopefully no one is listening to this that has the power to um, get me into trouble. But um, I went skiing yesterday and I skied the sprint course and I left the stadium. I skied up to the top of the hill. I followed the signs. I took a left and I started going down back into the stadium. And I was like, I took a wrong turn. And I like, I literally turned around. There were some Canadians there. I was like, is it, where does the sprint course go? And they're like, yeah, you, you just go up and then you go down. And I was like, huh. But it, there was actually something I think that was really cool about it's like simplicity. And it was also like a lot of work. So anyway, I mean, I don't think people really want to listen to me drone on about the course. Um, I feel like we should just get right into it. Like, let's yeah, talk about We're going to get right into like, it. But, I, but I'm going to interrupt you with the course one more time. The reason why I think I really loved it and the reason why it surprised me is because usually at these championship style courses is you climb this big ass hill. You have a gnarly, like fun downhill with a corner that you're seeing these these guys and girls with shattered legs trying to navigate an icy corner and then carrying their speed into the finish. There's always a big U-turn and then like that they have to navigate right at the end and come into the finish in Beijing. It's the opposite, man. You're grinding, baby. You are grinding up to the stadium and then like with this false flat gradual uphill. And then you still have that corner on shattered legs. And it just, I, I yeah, it was, it was just it surprised me. I thought the course would suck, and, and it didn't. So, but moving on, let's get right into it. Sprint. What do you want to start with? What are we starting with here? I, I want to start with Rosie Brennan because I feel like, you know, all the attention like in the mass media is going to be on Jesse Diggins winning a medal, and I think that like Rosie deserves some credit, and I also think she actually like just the the story of what she did today is actually just really compelling in and of itself. And, um, you know, it's sort of like we can, we can build on that and get to Jesse and, and, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of like, also we had like four American men in the, in the final yeah. and it was also like, or sorry, not in the final, but in the heats. And, and it, that was also like, you know, the men's race, like I kind of barely watched it. I'm like standing in the mix zone interviewing Americans about Americans, but you know, it seemed like that was actually still kind of a great race in and of itself. Um, but it's it, kind it of was an afterthought at this point. No, but it was, it, no, but it was, but it can't be an afterthought cause I am still Canadian and like, I love the men's race too. And the American men yeah. did such an amazing job to put four guys in the heats. And like every time I see Ben Ogden racing who made the semifinal, by the way, at a championship at his young age, all I can think After, about like, is like he had like he had like walked away and was like you know 
taken his clothes off. They like had to like chase him. He turned in his transponder, et cetera, et cetera. It's amazing. Um, amazing. That's amazing. And the, but the, every time I see Ben Ogden ski race these days, I just think of like, he epitomizes a Bruce Springsteen song in like 1987. <laughs> like he is the working class hero. Like it was so cool to see him in the semifinals, but we'll get back to that. So let's go to Rosie Brennan. And cause I think it is a great place to start. Listen, we had Rosie on the pod a while ago. She's a friend of mine. Well, like fr- I say friend of mine because when we race together, we talk all the time. So maybe that's a loose term, but she's an acquaintance. Like I know her pretty well from, from a lifetime of racing. Um, she lives in Alaska in Anchorage, as do you. So you know her quite well. I thought her interview was great. I, we talked about it too, that she believed in her own preparation. She went back to the US. She took a step back from the World Cup. She really believed this was her best chance to come to the championship and deliver her season's best performance. And the pursuit was disappointing. No question. Like she started, she looked great. Her, everyone's also sick of hearing me talk about technique, but she was skiing really well. And the wheels came off a bit. She just went a little too hard, a little too early and she paid for it today. Qualification qualifies second. Sundling is the story of the day internationally because she blew the doors off of everybody in the qualification. Unreal. She skied, yeah, and she skied with such confidence. And rem- that's a great story too because Sundling missed a whack load of World Cups in period one before Christmas with that injury, that arm injury that she sustained in Galavari. And she came to play and she just demoed everybody. And what, what a performance. It was, like, it was like a Bjorn Lind performance of 2006. Uh, and I loved it. But Rosie qualifies second. And then in the heats, falls out of her quarterfinals by sticking a pole in her binding out of the start gate and then has to work <laughs> like she, she has to dig like Jesse Diggins digs, you know what I mean? To just get back in contact. And what I love seeing is when she came back in contact, she didn't just sit and catch her breath. She just charged right on. I'm like, Rosie's having a day. She's had great And, and it wasn't right even now. like it was she, it wasn't even like she had to like, it wasn't like she caught up at the very end of the heat either. It was no. like she caught that group halfway up the hill. Just yeah, it was impressive. Yeah, pummeled those guys. Um, she, yeah, so it was, so it was a we, crazy quarterfinal. And and I was curious, and you and I were texting during the race, of course, because I should be studying, but come on, it's the Olympics. What do you want me to do? Um, so then in the semifinal, I'm like, what kind of, like, how much is this going to affect Rosie? Because you've got to remember to like falling in a championship, coming back, there's a flood of adrenaline. You're using so much energy in those moments. And you're not thinking, you're just reacting. You're, you are 100% in like fight or flight and it's fight. You know, you're, you're ripping to just get back in contact, get on, get through to the semifinal. And then she does. And I'm like, oh man, like, is this going to have cost Rosie? I'm like, I don't think so. Her qualification was great. Her, her quarterfinal, like you said, she caught those girls so quickly and then just skied right through them. And then in her semifinal, she was also a woman possessed and she set the pace early in that semi by drilling it. And the only reason why there's four women from that heat that go on to the final is because Rosie's work early, you know? And so she gets into the final that way. And that, my friends, is what makes this compelling story not have that storybook ending for Rosie Brennan because the margins at the top are so thin that she put together a 98.5% fantastic sprint. The final 1.5% she needed, she had had to spend it against her will because she fell out of, out of her quarterfinal. 
and had to dig so deep in the semi and she just didn't have enough to be in better position with the girls she was with. You have to remember Jesse Diggins is wicked fast. Dahlquist is the best, uh, has the best speed in the last hundred meters in the women's field. And Sindling was, yeah, it was a performance like Bjorn Lane in 2006 for Sweden, which was just, no one was going to touch her. The writing was on the wall. It was written. It it was almost like a religious text. Like it was done before it started. (laughs) So, so uh, yeah, but, but what a wonderful performance and having your best race of the season at the championship when it matters, when everyone wants to have their best race. Rosie, Rosie Brennan. I mean, I, it, it was fantastic. And I hope American fans know how special a performance that was. So uh, I'll offer just a little bit of uh, detail that we got from Rosie uh, in the mix zone. And, and um, I'll just sort of throw it out there as kind of helter skelter stuff as I am just getting on a bus that I'm hoping is the right bus that's going to take me back to my hotel room and not like to uh, um, undisclosed location. So among the things that uh, we learned today was Rosie brought two left boots to the race venue. Um, I was freaking out a little bit, ended up getting one of the American men to grab her boots on her way in. Um, They also like lost her clothes between rounds. Uh, So that was like another element of her day. And then I thought the funniest thing that she said was um, that, uh, you know, she apparently, she said that she's actually been practicing her sprint starts a ton with uh, her boyfriend, Tyler Cornfield, who is, you know, world-class, men's sprinter who's also from alaska um and and so that when she had that uh accident in that quarterfinal heat that was sort of like her first reaction was like oh man tyler's gonna really be (laughs) bummed about this so um i thought that was i thought that was kind of poetic and then um you know had a little conversation with chris grover the the usc team uh cross-country director after the race was over i mean i think he he had the exact same take as you that, you know, just Rosie having to burn energy in both of those first two heats probably, you know, was the difference for her in that final round. Also really talked about how this course, you know, could favor athletes with really big aerobic capacity, like both Jesse and Rosie, and that they, you know, really talked about that going into the day and in kind of informing their strategies and really trying to take the race out pretty hard from the beginning of those heats, especially given that there was no wind today. I think the strategy he said would have been very different had the winds remained, but because there was no wind, that, that strategy ends up uh, being much more effective. So I feel like there was one other thing I was going to say, Oh yeah. You know, I think the other thing I wanted to say was, um, you know, Rosie Brennan, she has become this real contender in sprint races. But, you know, I think maybe we talked a little bit, bit about this. I mean, Rosie Brennan up until a couple of years ago was really not known as a sprinter and talked a little bit with um, her coach in Alaska about this. I mean, it, you know, when she came to Alaska Pacific University, he said, you know, she came as a distance skier, but Rosie is really kind of a, he said Rosie's kind of just really a detail-oriented, focused person that's always kind of trying to fill in the holes in her cross-country skiing and that she's just kind of worked at it and worked at it and worked at it and made it something that's 
a real strong suit for her. So I, you know, I feel like that is going to be an element of this that is underappreciated that like, you know, Rosie said, I, I kind of asked her in the mix zone, like if someone had told you five years ago that you would have been like two ski lengths from an Olympic medal in the skate sprint, what would you have said to that? And she was just like, I, I would have laughed. So, um, yeah, yeah of course she would have kind of takeaway. Yeah. And of course she would have, because we talked about this when we had her on the podcast, Rosie Brennan as a 26 year old or 27 year old had, had like no international performances, like at the highest level, like top 10, the you know what I mean? No, exactly. She'd been dropped from the national team, but not only that, like she did not have a plethora of top tens. She wasn't the next coming of like whatever you believe in, like Jesse was. And, and the fact that she's doing this at 33 and it's really only in the last few years from essentially when she's with 29 and onwards, really, let's be honest. Uh, it's flabbergasting and it's awesome to cheer for. It's been, uh, it's been amazing. So, so it's, uh, it was a wonderful performance and I'm glad you brought that up and wanted to open with that because, because Rosie delivered one for the ages for American ski fans, but there is only one sparkle princess and that is Dickens. Well, actually, I really, I really want to interrupt there because there was there are multiple sparkle princesses today, including Chris Grover, who was wearing glitter when I interviewed him at the finish line. I have a photo, but now you can as he should, it. as he should. The entire U.S. cross country contingent of sports fans is just busting out the glitter and having like instead of confetti, it's just a mess of glitter. It's going to be hell to clean up tomorrow, but you're not thinking about that now because the celebrations are are in full swing for a historic performance by Diggins. But the Sparkle Princess today, we talked about it. She was so good in the skate side of that pursuit to come back for sixth and dug the whole way. She was going to be dangerous. She's Both Rosie and Diggins are so good at altitude. They have proven that year after year. She came in hungry with her great attitude and her never-say-die fight that she has. And big smile as wide as the, uh, as Lake Mead <laughs> is long and, uh, delivered, delivered a historic performance. And, and the fact of the matter is from later heats in her quarterfinal, everyone knows how I feel about that. Everyone knows that I'm like, Oh my God, why are we in heat four? like in the quarterfinal? And then, like you said, the strategy, wait, that wait, wait, fought, re- re- remind people who don't, because there gotta be some listeners who don't understand the significance of that can you explain that just real quick well okay okay we've gotten into it so many times so just say it quickly like the, the rules are that after the qualification the athletes get to pick which heat they want to be in based on how they qualify and then there's a ranking system and i'm not going to burn up time for that but if you want to know more about that read about it or go back into our catalog and listen when we explained it before so you can you can pick your heats and and usually what ends up happening and this is just conventional wisdom and our friend at the statistical tier did a whole analysis of this. Most of the time, the people that win the sprints come out of heat one. And the reason for that is, well, they won the qualifier and they're good. Uh, they're just better. Right? I think the real stat that counts is like, if you win the qualifier, your chances of landing on the podium are insanely high. Cause you're just in, you're on a great day. But the fact of the matter is uh, you get a little more rest, right? So the quarterfinals run, it takes about 25 minutes to run through the quarterfinals. And if you are in heat one, you have 15 minutes more rest from your quarterfinal minimum from your quarterfinal to the final when compared to someone in heat four. And when Sundling's having a day like she's having 
and Higgins has 15 minutes less rest, uh, that gets me stressed out. It does because I'm like, oof, uh, I know you're fit. I know you're good, but I'm just curious. So it might be an easier way to the final because some of those deeper heats, like heat four and five, maybe some of the great qualifiers don't want to pick those heats because, because of what I just talked about. But the fact of the matter is, I think you play, you're playing with fire a little bit personally. And um, I was a little worried when I saw Diggins pick a later heat like that. But at the, at the other side of the coin, I just closed my eyes and thought back to how she was skating in the pursuit. And I'm like, you know what? Diggins can land on the podium in heat five and heat one. It doesn't matter. Like she's just skating at just such an incredibly good level. And with that finish, which is a working finish, like a really tough working finish, I thought it suited her completely. I mean, I, well, when Alex was on the podcast, we both had her on the podium. So there's a reason for that. We really, we really believed that, that it was a course in a day for Diggins and she delivered and she delivered at an immense level. And I want to give a great shout out to Dahlqvist as well of Sweden, who finished second, who has been so dominant in the sprints with four wins on the world cup this year already. And even getting completely undressed by Sun Ling, like completely I thought her last hundred meters, there's no woman in cross country skiing right now that has a finishing hundred meters like Dahlquist. And she dug deep and delivered that lethal kick to secure the silver medal for Sweden. And they went, they went one, two, just like they did last year at the world championships in the opposite technique. So uh, what can you say? It was a banner day for Sweden and, and Diggins did everything right, except for the heat choice, but that didn't matter in the end because first medal ever, for American woman at the Olympic games. And I'm thrilled for her. I'm thrilled for the team. I'm thrilled for Matt and Grover and all those guys that have been grinding in this sport for so long. And people at home also just do not understand what that takes the commitment that the staff at Cork. Oh my God. Okay. Like I wish we could have Cork on the on the podcast but he's like essentially a unicorn you're not sure if he like truly exists in the media or not but he does unicorn is a real and he, we, is, we tried his name is jason cork and and i just want to try so like, hard to get him yeah it's never gonna happen yeah yeah sorry but 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 the, but the fact no. of the matter is cork put has has put just as much into this as diggins that's right he has put so much into this and I'm just thrilled for the whole staff and the whole team. And you see how much it means to everybody like Julia Kern. We're not having talked so much about her. She, she's also good at altitude in skate sprints and had a bit of an off day today and, and just wasn't, wasn't fighting at her best. Uh, you saw at the finish line with the pictures, like she was thrilled. Everyone was thrilled. And I mean, we could go on forever, but I think we just got to leave it there. It was just a, it was just a beautiful performance and congratulations to the U S ski community. Uh, Diggins, especially Rosie, especially, but also the staff. I don't, think people truly recognize and understand i hate the word sacrifice because i don't believe in the word sacrifice so i'll uh, i won't use it but choice people don't understand what the choices that guys like matt wickcomb have to make and cork had to make and it's not just okay i'll give it i'll give this athlete or i'll give this team my all two years leading into the olympics no 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 they've been doing this traveling like over 200 days a year in cork he's been away from home essentially 300 days a year for the last eight years. So this is absolutely phenomenal. And what a way to pay it forward. And then it's great momentum for the future. There's, we have great, we have such a great platform now for the relay. Like we talked about 
You have a sprint relay coming up, the 30K skate. There's plenty of racing left to go. And the American women's team and men's team are just going to carry this momentum through the championship. And it's great because, you know, like everyone's been saying in the emails, we love them, by the way. Thank you so much for people reaching out. Uh, we read them. It's awesome. Uh, but it's dystopic. Everyone's in hazmat suits. Like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's part of my French, but it's a fuck situation in China right now. And to have some stoke early in the championships, what a, what a day. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it seems worth noting, you know, and Grover talked a little bit about this, like it's really significant, I think, for the Americans to, to see this medal, you know, not like on the last day of the games, you know, and, and Grover pointed out that the team sprint medal from Pyeongchang was not until the second to last event. This is the second event of six. And I think, you know, don't diminish the significance of kind of removing some of that pressure from the, from the team in this way, when you can deliver a medal this early. Um, totally. So. That's my point. Cause success breeds success. And this is going to be, this is a huge platform because no matter what happens, no matter what happens, if we're, if they're all fourth in all the races left of this Olympics, which is great performance by the way. But even if that's what happens, it, it is an incredible result. 98 years, man. First Olympic Games, the U.S. has been competing in cross-country skiing the whole goddamn time, and they have never had a woman on the podium individually. It's uh, it's phenomenal. So, but yeah, it's great with the momentum, and t- we're going to take that momentum into the men's race because you got to chill out, man. So also, you also have a lot of racing left to do. Uh, follow over there, uh, Nat. But for the men, same thing happened for a guy who had all the pressure on him and delivered a textbook performance. And now, I mean, it was never in question before this event. But now, Johannes Klebo, Klebo or whatever, you mean, we can pronounce his name however we want it. There's, there's so many dialects in Norway. But, but Klebo just destroys, he doesn't destroy the field, actually, but he, he delivers his destiny and becomes the first man ever to repeat Olympic gold back-to-back. He's the first and only man in cross-country skiing in the sprints to ever, and I should say that's in the sprint, uh, but he's the only man in sprint history to have two individual gold medals from the Olympic Games. And not only that, he was third in the world championships in 2017 in Lati when Pellegrino won the gold there. And then since then, he's won in Seefeld world championships in 2019. He won in last year in Oberstdorf and he won in Pyeongchang in 2018. And now he's won again here and under immense pressure, immense pressure from the Norwegian team who is struggling. The men's team is struggling big time Just right now. Imagine what would have happened if, uh, imagine what would have happened in Norway and how Norway would be reacting right now if Kaibo had not won a medal today. Like they, they get nothing from the sprint. Like that's a crazy outcome. No, it is. What happened already, what happened already during the sprint was a crazy outcome. There is 12 spots in the final, six for the women, six for the men. For the first time ever in sprint history, you had one Norwegian out of 12 possible in the finals. This is a catastrophe for Norway. There's no way to put silver lining on this as a team performance. It wasn't a great team performance. It was a, it was a catastrophically bad team performance for the best ski nation in the world. But Klebo, under immense pressure, immense, delivers a beautifully tactically executed race 
everyone knows his technique is just absolutely perfect. He played it perfectly. He can win any which way. He can win by dropping you from the start. He can win by coming from the back. He can win leading into the downhill and he can win in the last hundred meters. And today he delivered a performance for the ages under like just crushing pressure. Pellegrino, you saw how happy he is. I know he's Italian, you know, Italians have like in Sudbury where I grew up, there's a lot of Italians. So I know how emotional like, they are as people. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, but Pellegrino had good reason to be, to be so emotional. Pellegrino goes down as a, what a legend he is in sprint, you know, world champion in 2017, silver medalist in the Olympics in 2018. And he pushed Clebo, dude. He pushed him, man. Like it was not a given that Clebo was just going to win, even though in the closing meters, Clebo had, had full control, but, but still what a competition by Pellegrino after having a just struggle bus of a season this year leading into this. Because he is such a legend. He's used to being in every final for the sprints, especially skate sprints. He has a, just a backpack full of wins on the World Cup. And this year, just everything that could go wrong would go wrong. He would just be on the wrong side of a sprint finish. A lot of the times he was knocked out in quarterfinals. Like Things were not coming up Pellegrino. And today he, he delivered a, just a stunner of a race to secure his back-to-back silver medal. And I thought it was really special to see how moved he was and and how great a performance that was. And the sport needs that, man. Like the sport needs Italy to deliver. They have a rich history in cross-country skiing. And then everyone's so sick of hearing my voice and I'm so sorry, but I am just so jazzed about this whole day. Terentiev was a race that I did not see coming. I I thought his last hundred meters, like off the corner, I I I thought Johnny Mackey was going to come around him. And I was like, wow, Finland's having the Olympics of the ages. Um, But Terentiev was just, was just strong enough to hold them off. And the young Russian nabs an Olympic bronze medal in the skate sprint. And I don't think a lot of people would have picked him to come away from this race with an Olympic medal. And you saw how much that meant to him at the end. And, and he, he, he was a bit like, what can I say? Like, he's like, he's not as stable in, in skate as classic. His technique is, is not quite as stable. He's not hitting his kicks quite as well. You see him losing his balance quite a bit. It's because his timing is just a little bit off. His arms are coming up a little too quick. So his hips and arms aren't really following in, in, the, in that perfect sync like you see uh, the likes of Clebo or even Pellegrino. Um, but he stayed on his feet. And I, I was, I'm not going to say I was shocked because he's so good, but I, I was impressed with his last 100 meters to hold on for bronze. Sure thing. And, and I mean, yeah, the Russians were, seemed pretty jubilant. I think uh, worth, worth a, and, and also the Italians. I mean, you know, those guys, as you said, like they, there was full on freak out going on, like in the stadium, like, like dudes sprinting across the stadium to give hugs to Pellegrino. It was, it was pretty fun to watch. Um, I feel like on the Russian front were the quick note that um, Bolshunov ended up being a do not start. And uh, the, the word was apparently, you know, just feeling a little drained from the uh, skiathlon. Although the Russian journalist that I talked to said his, his suspicion was that uh, he just didn't want to have to lose a race to, to Clybo, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> we, should, uh, we should also, um, uh, you know, really give a shout out to these uh, American men, you know, qualifying all four men in into the heats including oh. um luke jagger squeaking in by i think 13 hundredths of a second to uh 
to the heat. Um, he was right on that bubble, kind of like standing in the mix zone through there waiting to see what was going to happen. He said he was like getting interviewed by NBC and just being like, sorry, guys, I got to check my phone, see what's going on here. Um, and then, you know, it seemed like all of those guys were, I mean, Ben Ogden obviously was skiing really well, but, um, you know, the three other guys, like none of them advanced, but, but they all were like in the mix in, in those heats. Um, I also just feel like one detail that's really important for people to know that is not going to make it into my story is that, uh, JC Schoonmaker comes through the mix zone after his qualifier. Someone tries to like ask him a question about like what college he went to. And he's like, sorry, I think I'm going to throw up walks to the end of the mix zone fucking pukes and then comes back and uh and and like you know it never happened um so legend you know legend status um yeah yeah that's, that's no i mean i don't know yeah but we can let's touch on the americans of course like like we, we said earlier in this pod already like how how impressive it is to put four guys in like the reality has been i know torin coos and, and andy newell on the world cup were were two names that that consistently qualified, especially Andy Newell. Maybe not so much Torn Coos throughout his entire career. That's that's true. But uh, Andy Newell, anyway, was was consistently qualifying. You had Simi Hamilton also consistently qualifying on the World Cup for the U.S. But uh, to have four guys at a championship not only qualify, but like you said, have the guts to contend in their heats. Uh, the future's bright. We've been talking about that over and over and over. Uh, the American men are look like they are finally for the first time in so long uh, on the precipice of creating a great team atmosphere and mirroring, mirroring what the, the women have, have had for the last 10 years. So um, it, it was, it was wonderful to see the only, the only, I was really bummed for JC because I thought he looked really good in his qualifier. He, he looked really good during his heat as well. And, and again, you know, he was just getting pushed around just a little bit out there. You know what I mean? And, uh, man, the space is so limited. So I, I know he probably like, if he really, when the dust settles, he's so young, he's going to have so many more shots at this, but, um, for sure, maybe in a quiet moment, he'll be like, Oh, looking back at that race being like, Oh man, um, there yeah, was maybe I mean, a bit more, there's a bit more to give, but, but you know what? He's, he's young. We have to remember he has, he has so many more chances and there's only one way to learn. And that's through these experiences. And same with Bolger, who is not quite as young. I feel like I've said this before about Bulger on the podcast. He's too Midwestern nice a bit. Like he was in the perfect position and there was no reason for him to be fourth in that heat coming into the finish with the position he was in like 500 meters to go. So he's just a little too nice out there and he's got to sharpen his elbows a little bit. But that said, let's not take anything away from these boys. They had a, they had a phenomenal day out on the sprint course and, and it was great. And I mean, and likewise, you know, you, or not likewise, if you look alternatively on the, on the men's side for Canada, we, we, we couldn't get a single guy into the heats and that's a huge disappointment. That, that's, that's disappointing. So it was a tough day for the I, Canadian men. Again, that's the second day in a row that the men have had uh, tough days for Canada. Daria Beatty, I want to give a shout out. She was fifth in her heat, but she was right in there. She was in the heat of death. She was in the first heat with all those women and she, almost nipped Stupak at the end for fourth in her heat. And I love seeing athletes deliver their season's best performances at the Olympic games or the world championships. And Daria Beatty now has two top thirties at the championship, 28th in the pursuit and 25th today in the sprint. And, and that's great. And then one other thing I have to say, because I'm getting some emails about that. And I was not 
I didn't mean to harp on Olivia in the pursuit. I was just surprised that Laura Leclerc <laughs> didn't get the nod in the pursuit over Olivia Bufard Nesbitt. She had wonderful performances in the pursuit. And today she was on the outside a couple seconds from qualifying, of course, but she's never been racing at the Olympics before. And her history, if we want to have an athlete who has had to overcome a lot, she's had long stretches of illness that have knocked her out of training and racing. She has had so many injuries at inopportune times and and big injuries, injuries that required surgery, injuries that required half a year out from the sport, missing an entire season. So to see a woman like her have the tenacity and the, and the perseverance to just get onto the women's Olympic team uh, for the listeners out there that think I'm like too harsh on Olivia, like, please, God, I'm sorry. That's not my meaning. I am really, really impressed with the work that she has put in and the perseverance, most importantly, just to get to the start line. So but, but it was a tough day for the women other than Daria as well. Uh, I thought Sandrine skied really well in the sprint to be uh, in the mid thirties like that, because she's not known to be a sprinter and, and she was so wonderful in the, in the pursuit to be 20. So there's a lot of momentum on the women's side, but the men's side, they're going to have to just, again, like just shake this out, chuck it in the garbage, move on, uh, onto the next one. There's nothing else you can do. You're there, you're in Beijing. You got to just shake it off and, and, uh, and focus. You can do the, the analysis when this whole thing's over. I think it's, you know, we talked, I talked a little bit about this with folks today. I mean, I, I think it's so hard as an athlete to like, you come all this way, especially if you're like a sprinter and this maybe is a little more sort of geared toward the American guys who are in the heats, but I mean, it really applies to anyone that was in that sprint race. Like, you know, Hannah Halverson, for example, like you come all the way to Beijing and your, your shot is three minutes. And, and it's just like, you know, sometimes, sometimes that three minute shot ends up being a learning experience. And that's like, that's all you get out of, you know, your entire months and months of preparations for a championships like this. And I just, I think it's like, I, I think it's really underappreciated just sort of like how much pressure these athletes are under and and you know this sort of and and the and how little margin for error there is like kind of at a event like this so um and especially yeah, at the sharp know. end of the sport especially at the sharp end right like the olympics everyone shows up at the olympics wanting to deliver their lifetime best performance let alone their season best performance so the pressure is huge no matter what and then with with covid-19 and and the fact that this is in asia at high altitude with a bunch of sand all in the snow and like cold and windy like there's just a lot of variables these athletes are trying to to navigate and uh, i agree i think it is worth worth mentioning like you mentioned that this is uh you know it, it is tough sprints what's the hardest with sprints and this is what i struggled in my career in the years that i was okay in sprints i mean I, i've also been ridiculously bad I mean I've won sprint prologues and won sprints in the world cup and I finished like in the 80s on sprints so like I haven't figured it out and I tried I tried my whole career to figure it out and, and couldn't but uh what's awesome and also sucks bad about sprinting is it's instant feedback and if you, you know like you finish the race and before you have a chance to like have any thought about it you're smacked with the result or you're smacked with getting knocked out or you're, you know what I mean? And you're, and you have to process all this quite quickly. Whereas like in a tough distance race, if you're having just like a raunch fest of a distance race, take, take Gus Schumacher for the pursuit. Like he had many kilometers out there to be like, wow, <laughs> this, I saw this going better in my head movies. Do you know what I mean? So by the time you come to the finish line, 
you've kind of processed some of it already. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? And you're like, there's nothing else I could do. It's just a bad day. Whereas if you're JC or if you're Bolger, especially Bolger, I think, you know, who, who ended up fourth in his quarterfinal, like when he goes back and he watches that quarterfinal and especially the last 800 meters of it, he'll be like, I've, I've kind of done this mistake before. Like I'm good enough. I can compete with these guys. I'm fast enough. I wasn't in a good position. And it's not that he fell asleep or anything. It's just those small margins like you're talking about can be so costly. So, but instead of well, getting right. bogged and down like, in that, instead of getting bogged down in that, you got to just take the win and, and be thankful that you were able to have those opportunities. And Hey, racing in the Olympic games, racing at the world championships, only four per nation. It's a huge honor to be able to have a solid race at the championship representing your country. So let's never forget the, the perspective on that. And, and for Kevin Bolger, I think important for, you know, really intense fans of the sport to know that he had a pretty gigantic silver lining today, which was that he got to give his girlfriend a hug. And his girlfriend is Maya Belkvist, the Swedish sprinter who won a silver medal today, who Kevin Bolger, um, you know, is in a different bubble from, but the bubble got to be at least a little bit popped for a medal. So, um, you know, he was, and, 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 uh, Jesse Diggins apparently in the past has given him permission to uh, cheer for my Dalkist and and not the Americans first necessarily. Oh, geez, Diggins! I think, I think he's uh, yeah. She's. I think the is the that because Kevin said. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I just think that must be because people that are listening at home may not know this, but like that's because Jesse Diggins is one hundred percent Canadian. But anyways, we'll leave that aside. Both their parents are Canadian. <laughs> Both their parents are 100% Canadian. So just saying, but anyway, this is like, <laughs> this is like, it is like Rosie Brennan is your best friend and Jesse Diggins is Canadian is the, is the, or the lessons that we learned out of this yeah, podcast. Exactly. Today, and, 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 and the overarching, the overarching thesis of this podcast is Devin Kershaw is full of shit. But if you didn't know that already, you haven't been <laughs> listening to this podcast long enough. So there you go. <laughs> Well, um, I can also deliver some pretty exciting news, which is I got on the right bus. Uh, however, the bad news is that uh, the hotel, which I paid $3.50 per pair of underwear to wash my laundry, because that's the only way that I can get my laundry done here, did not bring the underwear back. So I don't know where it is. So um, stay tuned for the next edition of the Devin Kershaw Show to see that suspenseful issue resolved. I don't know, Devin, do we have anything else to break down? Or yeah, I, I still yeah no, I think we're, I think we're pretty here. much done, but I, I, yeah, you, you're worked. You got to get some sleep. I wanted to just add one thing and we'll come back to you. Yeah. In Norway right now, again, with Norway, we talked, we touched on this, but this is, uh, this is an interesting story to follow along. Um, it's going from bad to worse with the Norwegian team. And it'll be really interesting to see how they bounce back because this is, uh, this is a crisis championship for them so far. I know that sounds hilarious. I know that sounds hilarious for listeners that aren't like rabid fans of Nordic skiing. When do the Therese Johan won gold and Johannes Klebo just won gold today. But I'm telling you right now, uh, speaking of a team that has to just shake it off and move on and just try and put their best foot forward, that's Norway. So there's some great storylines. And then with Bolshinov, and then the last thing I want to leave with is like Bolshinov skipping the sprint. It's too bad he couldn't have realized that like the day before so that Russia could have uh, had someone else come in and put uh, to, to fill a spot because he, he decided in the morning and then, then Russia couldn't, couldn't do it, anything about that. But best decision Bolshinov's made, 
stand over the sprint, his chances for gold, his chances for even like silver and, and, and bronze with how that, well, bronze maybe, but silver, like how the race played out. Uh, it wasn't going to happen for Bolshinov today. And 15K classic oh, team sprint, like, oh my God, like yeah, Bolshinov can be the real hero of these Olympics. So incredibly smart move for Bolshinov to, to stand by, to stand out. Felt really bad for the French. Juve has been so good this season and was on the wrong side of the heat that went a little too tactically and no one came out of that heat. Shanova won the qualification, got, got knocked out in the same way. And Ustyagov looked so good today, man. He looked so, so good. And again, just in the wrong heat. He was in a heat that was tactical and the other heat with Maltsev just drilling it in heat two of the semis uh, meant that that the, the the men's first semifinal was essentially like a championship final and a lot of big name players uh, got knocked out early and uh, set the stage for a pretty interesting final for the men. A lot of new names, not new names, but names that I would never would have thought would be in the final, but um, heat one in the semis for the men with all those big names, no one wanted to push hard and, and uh, big big players were out before anyone would have thought so it was a great day all around i'm i'm, I'm gonna let you go though that was a uh, quite the run through thanks for making it happen i really appreciate it and keep on fighting the good fight over there yeah for sure you too man we'll uh we'll talk after uh some distance races yeah ciao thanks for sticking with us we'll be back 